0: Thank you Phil. Thank y'all so much. It's good to be home and uh, good to be with so many people that we love so much and are so dear to our hearts. Uh, I bring greetings uh, from my wife Suzanne uh, who is heartbroken that she couldn't be here this weekend but uh, she sends her love. My daughter Victoria Grace and my father sends his love as well and he is ministering this weekend in Michigan. And my dad uh, just turned 82 earlier this year, and within the past three weeks, uh, he's been in San Diego, California. He's been in New Jersey. Uh, he's been now in Michigan. I said, you know, Dad, uh, in the last three weeks, you've visited the East Coast, West Coast, Gulf Coast, and the North Coast. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, at 82 or any age, and uh, he's doing well. But he sends his love also. Turn, if you would please, in your Bible to Genesis chapter three. Genesis three, and I'm going to say some things this morning that you've heard before. One one thing, Abundant Life Church does not lack for is great Bible teaching. Uh, our senior pastor is a preeminent. Outstanding Bible teacher. Uh, sometimes when you, when you know someone well and you're with someone all the time, uh, in whatever endeavor that they're in and whatever they're doing, you can forget what a gift they are to you. And, uh, you can lose sight of the, uh, beautiful purpose of God that's being revealed in their lives. We need to appreciate one another more. I appreciate the worship team this morning. Do you? Let's give them a hand this morning for leading us. I thank God for everybody who serves in this place. And um, I'm just grateful that we as a church have a rich legacy in the word of God. And um, so I'm going to say some things that you've heard before. Uh, i don't I don't know that i'm going to say anything shocking to you today, at least not on purpose. You never know. Phil said I had a lot to say this weekend, uh, and now I wish I had a recording of what I said so I could know what I said. Um, this morning, the title of my message is Where are you? Where are you? Um, if you are a note taker. Feel free to take notes. If you're a social media person and there's something that is said that you think is meaningful that other people might enjoy, put it down, post it, let folks know what's going on. Um, but let's pray together and believe together that there will be a spirit of revelation in the room this morning. How many of you know the great thing about the Bible? You can read something a hundred times and then on a hundred and one... You see something you never saw before. Uh, The word that God's given to us is living and active. Um, And the great thing about the word is uh, there's a lot of books you can read, but the Bible is a book where you can sit down anytime and open it up and have communion with the author of the book. You can have fellowship with him. You can ask him, God, what did you mean by that? God, I don't understand this part. God, tell me more about this. And the Holy Spirit is there with us in the living word. It's a living word that we're going to receive together this morning. Now, how many of you were at Gatlinburg at the CSM conference uh, in May? Quite a few. Now, I'm just going to tell you straight up, Gatlinburg wouldn't be possible without Abundant Life Church. But people come from all over the world and uh, leaders... Uh, people who are part of different movements, and uh, they're encouraged together. And we had a great time this past May. We're going to do it again next May. Um, those of you who were there might remember this story, but one of our speakers was uh, Curtis Foreman, who's a pastor in Atlanta and someone who uh, was part of this church and someone who's very dear uh, to your own Pastor Larry. But Brother Curtis told a great story. Now, I can't tell it as well as he did. But I'm going to uh, give my best to relay the point. Brother Curtis, um, Brother Curtis is 80. He, he's about to be 81. and um, he has spent a lot of time on the water sailing. He loves to sail. And he's an accomplished sailor. He knows um, all about navigation, and he knows the winds and the waves. And he's a very skilled sailor, but he just loves being on the water. He gets rejuvenated around the water. And so he was on uh, his sailboat. He had spent the day out on the water, and it was time to come back into port. And so he's sailing along, and he gets closer in, and uh, he sees the uh, buoys and the markers, and he wants to keep his boat in the channel as he's heading back toward port. And so as he's moving along, he's looking for the specific marker. He finally sees the red flashing light, and he begins to navigate according to that light. And he keeps sailing and sailing and sailing and sailing, and he realizes it's taking him longer to get back to port than it should. And so Curtis becomes concerned about his location and where he's going. And you don't want to run outside of the channel because you'll run your boat aground. And so he's watching the red light and he's 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 guiding the boat in. And as he gets closer to shore, he finally realizes that the red light is not, in fact, a buoy, but it is the flashing Ramada ensign sign on shore. And he corrects himself and he makes it in. Where are you? It's dangerous to be lost. It's even more dangerous to be lost when you still believe you're on the right path. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's dangerous when you're walking and you put your foot on an unsteady stone or an unsteady step. Because you thought it was secure, you thought it was one thing, and then it shifts under your feet, and you fall. The most important part of knowing where we are, of knowing where we're going, of knowing what we're doing, is knowing who we are with for the journey. Now, I just gave you the punchline. I don't want you to leave and go home. I still have more to say, but that's the gist of what I'm going to say this morning. The question, where am I, is not simply geographical, it's relational. Sometimes, uh, in order to get the good news, we have to talk for a second about the bad news. We have to talk about the problem. And the bad news is that sin, which literally means missing the mark, separates us from God, relationally. It separates us from hope. It separates us from reality, the ability to see things as they are. It separates us from wisdom. It separates people from one another. It puts us on the path that leads to death instead of life. Scripture says, of course, in Romans 3, that all have sinned. So that's the bad news. The bad news is that sin separates, and it's a condition that we've all entered into. The good news, aren't you glad it doesn't stop with the bad news? The good news is that uh, repentance reconciles and restores it reconnects us in fellowship and relationship with God. It puts us back on the path that leads to life. It brings refreshing, renewal, hope, vision, purpose, joy, and strength. Now, repentance, and again, this isn't rocket science here this morning. Repentance simply means a change in direction. It means I was going this way, and I realized it wasn't the direction that I needed to go. And therefore, I turned around, and now I'm going this way over here. Um, Repentance is not feeling bad. Repentance is not being condemned. Repentance is not simply feeling guilty. Can you imagine... If I got on I-40 I- out here, and I said, I want to go to Knoxville. Uh, but when I got on I-40, I got on I-40 West heading to Nashville. And uh, I'm driving along, and then suddenly I realize I'm not going to Knoxville. I pass the airport, and it occurs to me I'm going the wrong direction. Now, imagine that I say, oh, I feel so bad about that. What an idiot I am. I'm so stupid. I do this kind of thing all the time. Uh, I really wish I hadn't done this. And all the while, I'm still going 70 miles an hour heading west. I'm passing through Memphis now. Jesus, what did I do? My, my, my. No, that's not repentance. Repentance is when you turn the car around. Now, you may not turn the car around till Memphis, but praise God you turn the car around. And now you're going in the right direction. God is not interested in us wallowing in regret and self-pity. And God has not come to bring condemnation to us for our sin and our error. And our mistakes, it's turning away from destruction and walking toward restoration. Amen. And by the way, that's not a commentary on Memphis or Nashville. I'm just just using those wonderful cities as examples. Now, uh, I have a, a friend who's now with the Lord named Jim Rohn. And Jim was a a tremendous speaker. He he loved the Lord. He was a fine Christian man. But he was a, a, a wonderful motivational speaker and life coach. And Jim said something very interesting. He said, you cannot change your destination overnight. But you can change your direction. And your direction will determine your destination. I love that. That gives hope for every one of us in the room today. You say, well, I'm not where I need to be. That's okay. Are you heading in that direction? You'll get there. We may not yet be where we need to be geographically. But if we are in Christ relationally, he will bring us to the place that he's prepared for us. Now, that's good news. Somebody ought to say amen to that. It's good news that we can be geographically in the wrong place, but when we get in Christ relationally, he'll take us to the right place. It's about relationship. It's the profound will of God. Oh, oh man, so much more than I can say. So much deeper than I can express. So many more words than a thousand tongues could sing. It's the profound will of God that there would be reconciliation between himself and his people. It's the profound will of God that there could be reconciliation between his people with one another. That's going to speak to somebody this morning. When that happens, when that reconciliation comes, new life, new hope, new purpose, new direction, new strength is released in our lives. Now, One of the saddest and most devastating stories in all of human history happened near the beginning of human history in Genesis 3. The story which most of you have heard is that Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with God and with each other. They walked with God every day in the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine Every day they had a walking appointment. They had a set aside time for them to walk together with God in his creation. Can you imagine how beautiful the Garden of Eden must have been? I've been to some incredible places. You've been to some places that take your breath away. I remember a couple of years ago we had our men's retreat at Fall Creek Falls. And me and Phil, we... We walked up to the, to the overlook and, and looked at the falls and I didn't know what to expect and, and we walked it up there. How many of you have ever been to Fall Creek Falls? Oh, you, man, what a treasure. And we walked up and we came to this, this vast canyon and this huge, deep waterfall and it took my breath away. Can you imagine what it would have been like to see the Garden of Eden and all of its perfection and to be able to walk with God and talk with him about his creation and about his purpose for creation? That must have been amazing. And Adam and Eve had that privilege of walking with God in a personal way every day through that garden. But one day they avoided their walking appointment with God. They avoided it. Why would you want to avoid that? They hadn't forgotten about it, but they were hiding from him. Why were Adam and Eve hiding from God? Why would you want to miss an experience like that? God had given them every good thing. He had given them abundance. He had given them freedom. And he had only forbidden them to do one thing. Do not eat of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was in the garden. God had created Adam and Eve for perfect fellowship and trusting in him for guidance and direction. But the enemy of their lives, Satan, was jealous. He despised their perfect relationship with God. He hated them. He hated God. He hated all of God's creation. And so, in the form of a serpent, Satan offered an alternative plan. Satan always wants to offer us an alternative to what God said. So this is how it went down in Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You would be like God knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and it was a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. By the way, I want you to notice, Adam was with her. Adam was there ignoring and abdicating his role and responsibility. Adam 8. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam, and he said to him, Where are you? Could you say that with me this morning? Where are you? That's the key question. Now, Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. By the way, if you want to play hide-and-seek, <laughs> and, and someone says, where are you? You're supposed to be quiet. So Adam was not very good at hide-and-seek. <laughs> That's one thing we learn from this story. I hope it's not the only thing we learn, but we learn Adam really stunk at this game. Um, Adam pipes up immediately. Uh, oh, God, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then Adam said, God, I did it. It's all my fault. I take full responsibility (laughs) for how this all went down. And by the way, I just want to say it wasn't Eve's fault at all. She had nothing to do with this. It's all on me. God, I'm going to man up today, and I'm going to take responsibility for my sin. I don't know why y'all are laughing. Does your Bible say something different? No, that's not what he said. God said, what did you do, Adam? And Adam said, the woman. It was her. And he doesn't just leave it at that. He says, the woman you gave me. So he's throwing Eve under the bus and God under the bus. Adam is such a genius. I mean, this is really a bad moment. Adam, I know you're up there. I'm sorry, but that's what the word says. Now, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. tragic, the most tragic event in all of human history. The sin that came upon us all from that moment, the death, the agony, the misery, is unspeakable. God asked them, where are you? That's the question. Where are you? Now, listen to this. God wasn't asking this question because he didn't know where they were. God was asking this question because they didn't know where they were. God knew where they were. Do you seriously think that the creator of heaven and earth who made every tree and bush in the garden that they were trying to hide behind didn't know where they were? He knew where they were. But they didn't know where they were. When God comes to you and says, where are you? It's not because God's confused. It's because you're confused. Okay, just a little life tip there. God knows where you are. Do you know where you are? And do you know where you are with him? Where we are is not first a geographical question. It is a relational question. They were hiding from God because they had just deliberately ignored and rebelled against his instructions. Broken relations lead to wrong destinations. Broken relations lead to wrong destinations. I said yesterday, you probably heard me say this before, when you're buttoning your shirt in the morning... If you don't get the top button in the top buttonhole, then all the other buttons are going to be out of line. And the, the top priority for us is to have the right relationship with God that brings everything else into line. And when that is broken, that gets everything else broken. As their creator and father, God had designed everything perfectly for their enjoyment and blessing. When they rejected him, it brought shame and fear into their minds. I think sometimes we have a, a wrong idea about our relationship with God. And because we have a wrong idea, the world doesn't have a clear idea because the church is giving out mixed messages I think a lot of people believe that God wants us to live in shame. That was the response of Adam and Eve, was shame came upon them. God doesn't want us to live in shame. That's like what I was talking about earlier, about traveling down the wrong road. It's not God's intent that we just simply be in misery and be ashamed of bad mistakes that we've made. What God is more interested in is helping us to turn around and giving us power so that we can be in the right place and be free from sin and shame. The Bible is not a book about bondage. It's a book about freedom. That's pretty good preaching too. Now, um, the sin that came in caused them to run away from God To run away from their life source. Complicated question. What happens to you when you run away from your life source? Anyone? When we run away from our life source, we don't have a source for life anymore and we die. If you you don't believe this principle, next time you're vacuuming, You just unplug your vacuum and try to make it keep running. Is that too complicated? I know you're not all scientists, but try to grasp it. (laughs) They ran from God, their life source. So they lost their home relationally, which caused them to lose their home geographically in the garden. They lost their way. Their sin separated them from God's presence. It introduced sin and death into the human gene pool, which continues to this day. It brought separation from one another. It introduced alienation into their family and all the families who followed. The first murder that ever happened in human history happened in their family. Mankind became wayward and lost. Much of the remainder of the Bible tells the extraordinary story about the extraordinary links that God went to destroy sin and death and to restore his fellowship with humanity. You know what? The Bible is at its core fundamentally a love story. It is a giant flashing neon sign pointing the way home for the wayward and the lost. Our Father is asking us again this morning, where are you? He knows where we are. Do we? Do we know where we are? His love, his care for us is more than we can imagine, more than we can realize. And sometimes we think that he is so far away. Have you ever felt far away from God? That's okay. You don't have to be honest. It's all right. I don't mind. Sometimes we feel far away from God. But the truth is, if we would just turn back to him, we would find he's not far away, but he's been right there with us all along, walking beside us. If we would just look for him, we could know that he is there. He's calling out to us. He's seeking us. God is desiring to have fellowship with us, which is a mystery. I can understand why I would want to have fellowship with God, right? Because he's he's made these tremendous promises. He says, instead of your ashes, I'm going to give you my beauty. Instead of your sorrow, I'm going to give you my joy. Instead of your mourning, I'm going to give you my dancing. That's a great deal. So it's not a mystery why I would want to fellowship with God. The thing that blows my mind is that God would want to have fellowship with me. But God wants to have fellowship with us so oftentimes more then we even want to have fellowship with him. God desires relationship. I have a a friend of mine, I shared this this weekend, my friend Jim Mather. He says, life is all about relationships. The rest is just details. That's a precious truth. No relationship more important than that with him. Therefore, simple word, let us get rid of those things. That are separating us from Him. If what I've said in the past few minutes is true, then why would we want anything that could separate us from relationship with God? Why would we want to unplug our life source? Why would we want to wither away and die apart from Him? We must. Seek God this morning and ask him. Be honest. Ask God to do an examination. David said, search my heart, O God, and know me. We've got to have that same heart toward the Lord where we say, God, look at my life. Look at my heart. Look at my mind. You say, well, I've been walking with Jesus for 50 years I'm saved, I'm sanctified, glorified, and heaven-bound. Hallelujah. That may be so. But there's always things that we can ask God to deal with in our life. Jesus said, take up your cross daily. Why would he say that? (laughs) You know why? Because there's something called carnality. And everybody deals with it. Even the most precious saint has to deal with our flesh. And so we have to take up our cross daily. Jesus had a cross. He said, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you must also take up your cross. So let's ask God this morning, take away those things that have separated us. Separate uh, us from those things that separate us from you. The old ways that lead to death and destruction. We were created and made for so much more than that. Do you know that the same wonderful experience that Adam and Eve had in the garden, walking with Jesus, talking with him, seeing the creation, do you know that that purpose still exists for you? Do you know that that potential and possibility still exists for you? That you could have that kind of intimate fellowship And walking with him and listening to his voice. Why would we not want that? We were created for fellowship with the creator. Now. The same enemy. That deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. Is still out and about. He's still looking to steal, kill and destroy. As a matter of fact. If you look on the devil's business card, that's what it says. Satan, steal, kill, destroy. And uh, that's his job. That's his job description. Jesus also has a business card. His says, uh, I've come to give you life abundantly. So there's the choice. The enemy is at work trying to separate us from God and from God-ordained relationships. He wants to trap us in ungodly and deceptive relationships. Every one of us in this room today was created. You were made in such a way that you're not fulfilled in yourself alone. I hear people say sometimes, I don't need anybody. I don't need church. I don't need all that fellowship business. It's just me and Jesus. We got this. But you were not made that way. You are completed. You are fulfilled in relationship with God and with his people. Likewise, if you think about this, knowing where you are, it's not based upon your independence. It's based upon an outside source. You know where you are based upon some kind of outside reference. If you don't believe me, go into a a strange room, close your eyes, spin around 10 times, and you tell me where you are. Good luck with that. Today we use GPS technology to show us where we are. It's incredible. For, for a simple uh, old man like myself to, to, to think that somehow I am connected by a satellite in space that can pinpoint my exact location on Earth, that's incredible. And it's a little scary. But we can use that. I can get in my car. I can punch in an address. And because of the GPS, it can tell me where I am and where I need to go. And by the way, i found that that thing is also very useful when you're traveling alone. If you ever get lonely in the car, punch in the wrong address and go in the opposite direction from what it says. And that thing will talk to you the whole trip. It's wonderful. It's a great recalculating. Turn around. And have you ever noticed that the GPS can get a little tone sometimes? It gets a little attitude. You know, if you're not doing what it says, it's like. I told you to turn around. Hey, dummy. (laughs) You know, it gets a little edge in its voice. But we have an outside reference. We have this satellite. Once upon a time, in the ancient days, we used to use something called maps. (laughs) That was our outside source to tell us where we were. The ancient navigators before maps... They used stars. It was something outside of themselves. It was an outside reference point. So my question this morning is, what is your source for knowing where you are? I just feel it in my gut. I just just think. I feel good about where I am. Uh, Well, pal, uh, objective reality says you're not in a good place. Yeah, but... I just have a good feeling about this. What is your source for knowing where you are? What is your landmark? Is it the flashing Ramada ensign on shore? More important question, who is your landmark? Who is giving you guidance? Is the Holy Spirit giving you guidance? Is the Bible giving you guidance? Is there someone in your life who's trustworthy, tried, and true that you've given permission to speak into your life and coach you and adjust you and direct you and and even if necessary, correct you? Who is your landmark? What is your spiritual GPS? Is it based upon objective reality or is it based upon your feelings and whims? Are you seeing things as they really are? Or are you seeing things the way you wish they were? We have to reckon with reality. We have to face the truth. The Bible and the Holy Spirit are faithful to show us truth. And the truth will set you free. If we have problems... We'll never find a cure without the proper diagnosis. What we see, when we truly see, may not always be a pretty sight. But the Word and the Spirit also offer us hope and strength and direction. God convicts, but he doesn't condemn us when we're in Christ. If we're lost, if we're confused then we need a guide to bring us back in the path. You can look at Isaiah 30. It says, you'll hear a voice that will speak to you and say, this is the way. Walk in it. God is faithful. The word and the spirit give us hope Even when the truth is ugly. Walking in relationship and fellowship and accountability with others, with other people, with other followers of Jesus, is also a key to staying on track. That's why God gives us the church, his body. So the question is, with whom are you walking? Not just are you walking, but with whom? You weren't designed to walk alone. Are your companions for the journey encouraging you toward light? Or are they pointing you toward darkness? You know, it makes a difference. God sees things the way they really are. And in his time, he makes it known to us. Now, God gives us something that, that I call transcendent truth. It's a word that transcends our reality. It's where his reality invades our reality. Uh, Jesus gives us a perfect example in John 16, He says, in this world you will have trouble. <laughs> That's not a very charismatic word, is it? No. If I walk with Jesus, all my problems are solved. If I can just have enough faith, I won't have any more trouble in my life. That's not what Jesus says. He promises, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, that's reality. That's truth. But then comes the transcending truth. Then comes the greater reality. You will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That's the good news. Yes, we have trouble, but we have Jesus, the overcomer. Yes, we have sorrow, but he gives us his joy, which brings his strength. Yes, we have fears, but he gives us his love, which brings his peace. Yes, we have questions, but he gives us his spirit who gives us the way to go. Yes. We were once far off, but now we've been brought near. We may grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. God loves you just the way you are. He loves you just the way you are. And he loves you so much that he won't leave you the way you are. If you'll allow him... The Holy Spirit will change you from glory to glory. He'll lead you from victory to victory. So this morning, if there's anyone here who feels lonely or isolated, and and listen, it's very possible that we can feel lonely in the middle of a crowd. I felt that way. It's possible that people all around us can be singing and shouting and we can be battling the most crippling depression and discouragement. Sometimes it's not even logical. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense. And sometimes, like a tsunami of darkness, it overwhelms us. We need to ask the question this morning, where am I? Well, please know this. Wherever you are, wherever you are, he's right there with you. He's ready to take you into a deeper and greater relationship with him than you've ever known. And you you may, you may may be experiencing all kind of glory and all kind of joy, but I want to tell you, God's not finished with you yet. I want to tell you that the greatest things are not in the past, but they're in the future, and the best is yet to come. He isn't finished with you yet. If he was finished with you, you would not be here this morning. And there are many here in this room who would be glad to walk with you in personal relationship, in life-giving relationship. Please know that you're not alone. Where are we? Wherever we are geographically, Or circumstantially today, I pray that the answer to that question can be this, in Christ. Where am I? I'm in Christ. I may not always know exactly where I am geographically. And I may not always like where I am circumstantially. But if I can be in Christ, if I can be in him, then he's going to take me where I need to go. You may have sinned. You may have missed the mark. But in Christ, you have forgiveness and reconciliation with God. You have purpose and hope. In Christ, we not only have a map, but we have a guide who will walk with us and even carry us when we cannot walk. What a friend we have in Jesus. Paul said, Romans 8, There is therefore... Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. That's good news. I appreciate you letting me share with you this morning, and I want to just close in prayer, and I want to especially pray this morning for anyone who has sensed um, alienation or separation from God. And I just want to say very clearly, I I know this is a wonderful church. It's a wonderful church family. I know that you're smart and that you've heard a lot. But every one of us gets tripped up sometimes. And so if there's anyone here this morning that, well, you feel a little bit like Adam And uh, you feel a little bit like Eve. And you've seen shame in your life. And because of that, you've wanted to hide. You've wanted to hide out from God. You've wanted to hide out from relationships. You've wanted to draw back, pull back. I just want to encourage you this morning. If you've never even asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, or if you've never walked in relationship with him, Today is a great day to let that begin. Today is a great day to turn the car around. Today is a great day to invite his presence into our lives. But wherever we are in the journey, I just want to encourage us this morning, ask the question, where am I? And where am I with him? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for this Spiritual family, we thank you for your love, and thank you for your presence. You said that when we gather together in your name, you would be here in the midst of us. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here, God. (laughs) Sometimes we don't know where we are, but I thank you that you do. I thank you that you relentlessly seek after us, and you call to us. And the invitation is still good. No matter what we've done, no matter what we've said, the invitation is still good to come and to walk with you in the cool of the day in your garden and to receive your abundant life. So I pray this morning for my brothers and sisters pray that you'd encourage them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, I pray. I pray for those this morning who battle sickness, who battle disease, who battle discouragement. God, let them not be weary. Let them not lose heart or hope. Father, I pray for healing. Lord, we've seen a lot of great things in our church history. But God, we don't want Abundant Life Church to become a museum. We don't want this to become just a club where we all sit around and talk about the good old days of remember when God did something long ago. Father, we desire to see the fresh move of your Holy Spirit in our lives today. Lord, we desire that you would set us on fire. Lord, that Mount Juliet would know the glory of God. Father, we desire that the emerging generation would know you in a personal way. To know you even as we have known you, Lord God. That they wouldn't simply uh, move forward based on our stories of the past. But God, give them a story, I pray. And I pray that you would draw us together closer with you and with one another. So that the world would know that you have sent Jesus the Son. We thank you for the time this morning. I bless everyone here this morning, and send them out as missionaries into the mission field this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brother Phil, um, I will uh, turn back over to you. Thank you again for the great privilege of being able to share with you this morning. I love you guys. and Look forward to more fellowship.